Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's been a while, but we are here. The 2021 season is upon us. Preseason is in full swing. The first games of the season are just around the corner. And we're here with a brand new name, side by side with Zach and Brad, myself, Steve Zachwani, and the captain, Brad Evans. And I really want to look forward to the 2021 season. I really, really think there's a lot to be excited about. Definitely some big question marks. But you have to look back and we didn't get a chance to put a bow on the end of last season. So I'm sure all of you great listeners and ourselves have a lot of questions for just what the hell. Can I say that? Yes, I can. What the hell happened in Columbus? Um, I was in London at the time. The time difference was crazy. So I planned to record the game, avoid social media, avoid the scores, watch it the next day. And then people kept texting me, what's going on? Why are we getting killed? And then so I just had to check the squad at halftime. And I was like, wow. And end up watching the whole game and then rewatched it the next day. And there's a lot to answer for there. But I'll hold off on that for now. Brad, you played for both teams. Um, I'm sure you watched the game and have some thoughts on it. What happened? Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't introduce um, our little third wheel. <laughs> yes. Addition. <laughs> Keely. Welcome uh, to the podcast officially. If you want to say an intro, I'd say she introduces herself. What do you think? The lady will speak for herself. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for um, inviting me onto this party every week. I actually, I've, I've had my invitation to the party every week because I've been producing behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, so any audio fluctuations or anything, just tweet those at me. Um, that's my bad. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> MLS Cup back on track, MLS guys. Cup 2020. Yes. Um, I think we all had high expectations going into this one. We talked about it before before that game. You know, playing for both clubs, it's it's a obviously a tough one. But you know, as we said, playing in Seattle for so long, that was that's your allegiance. Uh, but definitely didn't expect to see the team under pressure so early uh, and under the gun, and and really not have any answers at all. Um, Columbus just completely outclassed the Sounders on that day. Uh, you know, but if our trends are correct, right, we win one, we lose one, we win one, we lose one, and now we're due to to win one. So um, it's a, a tough one to swallow, and and I hope we can get Schmetz on soon to really pick his brain and ask him what his talk was after the game, how he was feeling, and how that motivates this team moving forward. But you know, as a former player, anytime you lose in the finals, right, or, or in the playoffs, it motivates you going into the next year. Yeah. Um, a lot of key losses, but I think that these guys – you know, when you don't show up on a day, it makes you hungry uh, to prove yourself at that next game. And yeah. I think that we're fortunate that it is a uh, a home game here on April 16th. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of thoughts. I think a couple of things happened. One, I would love to pick Schmetz. And, you know, I had a bit of a chat with Jimmy Traore recently. He's on the coaching staff. Um, and I would never second guess Schmetz or that staff. It's a fantastic staff. He's done so well. I just think when you get to the biggest games, you have to go with your absolute best players. And I love everything Alex Rodan did last year. Love the kid, did well. Kelvin Ledham has to 
um, be in the lineup. It, yeah. it just has to be in the lineup. The experience, the know-how, there's something about it. And not, I'd say Alex was, you know, at fault for everything, but there were some things there I think Kelvin just cleans up. So I understand rewarding the horses that got you there, but there still is a part for me where, look, it's a one-off game. It's win and then we're champions. You play your absolute best players. I don't know that we got that, but I would love to understand Schmetz's mind behind that. And I think if we'll be completely honest, there was too many of the big players didn't play their best game. And you can maybe miss one or two, but when you have several players not quite at their best, um, it's a big problem. And also, I was in London at the time and I get a phone call from my good friend, Darlington Nagby, and he says, I've tested positive for COVID. The news is going to break soon. I won't be playing. And I couldn't believe it. And right away, I thought, okay, um, advantage Seattle. And then Pedro Santos, I mean, top player, advantage Seattle. I don't know if the team's mindset, the guard went down. No, they're missing two of their very best players. They're going to be a bit weaker. And if it galvanized Columbus, and I know Caleb Porter very well. Now, I talked to him in the lead up to the game and immediately after the game, he would have been on those guys, riling them up. And listen, they, they put in a great performance, take nothing away from them. I just think Seattle could have done better. I want to ask you this. So, Sounders won. You played in the MLS Cup. The Sounders won. Let's be honest. Toronto were the better team by far. Mm-hmm. Seattle won on penalties. The next year in the final, Toronto were the better team again and won the game. The final Seattle won in 2019. For 60 minutes, Toronto was the better team until Kelvin Leardham scored. And now this final, Seattle didn't turn up. That's four finals without playing well. Mm-hmm. Is that a trend? Is it a problem? Is it just an anomaly? Is it one of those things? Why have we not seen a top performance? We see it all the way up to the final. Then in the final, it's not quite there. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. Um, you mean what? We know that the players are top quality. Yeah. So what's the next best thing? How do you get your players motivated to play at their best and play their best soccer? The next logical choice is say, hey, what's what are the coaches doing to motivate these guys? Is it systematic? Is it a pregame talk? Is it really getting them fired up? Is it the practices leading up to MLS Cup? Um, it can be all those things. Um, I think that in the past five or six years, the Sounders have had a top five roster and at least going into those finals, at least half the team, I would choose the Sounders over the other squad, right? But for some reason, sometimes the other squad has shown up and played better than the Sounders. So I think it's self-reflection time to say, hey, we can play well in regular season games, right? We can beat, without a fantastic performance, we don't beat LAFC at LAFC, Mm-hmm. Right. But then you carry that into MLS Cup and you're asleep for 60 minutes. Yeah. So the players didn't change, but the mindset and the attitude changes. And then you just have to ask the coaching staff then, hey, what what changed or what what can you guys do better to keep these guys motivated going into a final and let them play better soccer yeah. um, fr- from the out, outset. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's teams like Chelsea. Right. Win Champions League and they play ugly soccer they you know sit back and just wait and counterattack, and no one's ever going to question a championship right yeah. never right when you look back on it in 20 30 years i don't think we'll be talking about the quality of play we'll be saying how many championships and how many banners yeah. but i think that the coaching staff and the players that played in those games will always ask questions about how could we have made that a better game for us how could we made it easier on ourselves in the grand scheme of things to come out and play better soccer in all these occasions yeah. It's not always going to be perfect, yeah. but maybe some slight adjustments here and there. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I've 
I, I would again, like, we're going to get Schmetz on here. We'd love to talk to him about it on record, off record, and just to understand. And then I don't think there is an answer to it, but it's something to think about. Um, I always feel also in sports, there's cycles, no matter how great a team is. I remember the wonderful Barcelona team that just, I mean, they won every trophy in a year, then won two Champions Leagues in four years. Messi was scoring 70 goals a year. And then there was a decline. Guardiola left and certain things happened and they're still trying to recover now. Um, Golden State Warriors, amazing five-year run. They're now not going to make the playoffs. It always changes in sports. This Sounders team's been on an amazing run. I think this is the last year, and there's been a bit of a change in the offseason we can talk about. I think it's the last year this group will be together like this. I think you're going to need some real fresh, I'm talking big name changes, where we're going to need another fresh star who comes in and really um, can add life to the team. Maybe one or two surprise big name departures leave. I think it's the last window that this team has constructed can still compete with the very best teams before it gets stale. And there has to be some changes. I don't think we'll see a change on the coaching staff. I think Schmetz is here for as long as he wants for now. Um, I think you will see change of players. So with that said, I'm a little bit worried. I always love locker rooms of experience. Whether the players are playing or not, you've been in locker rooms, so have I. Sometimes the most important guys is just the guy who's a locker room presence. He's a veteran. He's been there. Maybe his career's winding down. He's not playing much, but he knows what to do. Svensson, Ledham, those guys are those guys. I don't know that either one's been replaced. Jordan Morris gets injured. You can't replace him. It's going to be tough to go find someone who's going to bring you double goals, double assists, and um, double digit and do what he does. So I don't know what to make of the 2021 team. Our good friend Montero's back. Rudy Diaz is still there. Lodero's there. You always have a chance with him. Did the Sounders improve in the offseason? On paper, I'm saying no. But maybe I'm surprised by the actual product on the field. And they're amazing. But I don't know. Yeah, I think we had the same conversation last year. And we, looked, we both looked at the roster. And I think <clears throat> what you just said about having those experienced players. Um, last year, we kind of talked about it and said, man, they look a little bit long in the tooth. Maybe they're a little bit old, right? Um, and my expectations for last year is I didn't think they were going to be as good as 2019. Turns out they completely turned it around at, at some point and said, hey, the veteran players stepped in and played awesome, right, throughout the whole season. Really led the team with sprinkles of a couple young guys. Yeah. But I think I don't – I just don't know. Um, I think when you lose that many veteran players – it can be really difficult to fill those shoes. Yeah. But, and I think you've seen that evident as now we're talking about, hey, playing a 3-5-2 or playing 5-3-2, whatever it is in the back, right? Now we're thinking playing two strikers up top. So now we're already talking about a complete formation change that has pretty much gotten this team to MLS Cup the past four years. So you're already saying, like you said, you're seeing that shift now. Um, is that a product of personnel or is it a product of... Um, you know, evolution of soccer, yeah. right? Five years ago, we wouldn't have thought a four-two-three-one would have got us to where we are now. So is it just a product of, hey, these these coaches are now seeing something either throughout the world or in coaching uh, seminars, classes that says we are now shifting to what is going to be the world's game? Who knows, right? But I think anytime you lose uh, top quality players and Raul's not back yet, right? Yeah. Raul's still not with the team. So who knows what's going on there? Is he injured? There's photos of him, right, on the training table, wherever he is. Um, and maybe that was why they went out and got Freddie. And Will Bruin's going to see time up top because Will plays really well, partnered with someone up top. So are we playing formation to our personnel or are we playing because we want to change soccer? I don't know. 
I think I think we'll have to wait and see. But this first s- schedule is really difficult. So we're going to find out a lot about this team really early. I promise, guys, uh, we have a lot of fan questions later on that are going to go a lot more into all those formation changes. So we'll definitely delve into that a ton more when we get to the third segment. Um, You guys also set up our next guest really great. So do you want to maybe intro him until we uh, come back? Yeah, I think think we both played against him when we were with the Sounders. Was he at Houston? Yep, Houston. He was at Houston. I remember playing against him, and I've probably seen him more in time like because he's always traveling to games i see him up in the box and i bumped into craig a few times but um craig weibo i played against him um a few times maybe even directly i think he might be playing left back or right back i can't remember but um yeah i've always liked him i think hendo was going to be tough i did speak to hendo when the announcement was made that shocked me i didn't know it was in the works i didn't know um i think that's a tough replacement he probably would do it in his own way a bit differently but someone from seattle he knows mls as well as anybody knows what works in this and, uh, you know, hopefully have the backing of the higher-ups um, to help put his input. So, Craig Weibel is going to be joining us. Uh, what's his exact title? Sporting Director, right? Sporting Director. The sound is new, Sporting Director. We're going to get a chance to speak with him um, just shortly after this short break. We'll be right back. Sound is new, Sporting Director, Craig Weibel, exclusively here on Side by Side, joining us for a All right, everybody, uh, excited. First guest this year, uh, a newcomer to the squad. I don't even think it's been announced yet, so we get first dibs on this guy, a former competitor that we've had a number of battles with uh, and a local legend as well. Uh, We want to welcome Craig Weibel, um, new to this team for the second time now, right, as an MLS (laughs) franchise. Craig, welcome to the show. Ah, Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me. And I think the first part was true. Several battles. I don't know about local legend. <laughs> hey, and anyone that can wear the sound, I mean, I think you know, but anyone that can wear the Sounders brand um, as a player and be from this state is automatically qualified as a, as a local legend. Obviously, you wore the colors at UW. I, I think I'm interested, and, and everyone will be interested to know um, your soccer history in, in the state of Washington and how you got started and what that career path looked like for you ending up where you are now. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it doesn't really make sense because I grew up, uh, geez, until I was in eighth grade, I was in northern Idaho. I lived in Lewiston, Idaho and Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, uh, which I'm not even sure how I ended up kicking a ball in those places because those are football, baseball, basketball towns, especially when I was there. Uh, I actually went to high school in Spokane. So I kind of, I, I always loved the game, but I was yeah, I was just a normal, normal kid, man. We played every sport growing up. And uh, once, once I got, what, 15 years old when I was in high school was when I kind of first started to, to really just choose soccer, you know, and, and kind of stop choosing other things. I played basketball in high school during the winters, but soccer just kind of became that love. And boy, I can tell you every inch of that drive between Spokane and Seattle, man, that's that we drove that thing. That was the only way to play. I mean, there's, there was nothing there was nothing east of us at that point you know so it was it was driving to seattle to play and i got really really fortunate as i think we probably all have in in a playing career i uh i was just seeing 
I think more by accident than on purpose by the coaches at University of Washington. Um, they were, you know, with, with no uncertainty, they were there scouting one of my teammates. And I can, I can tell you that because they told me that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just kind of worked out. I played well that day and, and they offered me a, a spot on the roster there. And that's how I ended up at Washington. And uh, I had a great time there. We, uh, we had a lot of success. And that kind of parlayed into being drafted by the Sounders back when there was two different drafts. The MLS had a draft. And then back then it was the A-League had a draft. And, you know, by the time I think the Sounders drafted me, you could have considered it a sixth or seventh round pick. But it looked a lot better. It looked a lot better on paper uh, and just cut my teeth there. You know, back then uh, um, there were some great guys, some, some great veterans, some, some true in my mind, soccer legends from Seattle. And I learned so much, um, you know, Neil Megson and Bernie James were the coaches at that time. Brian Smetzer became the coach. And in my first year in MLS, my first year participating in MLS, I'll say, when I went to LA in 2001, I spent more time on the field for the Sounders than I did for the Galaxy um, playing for Brian. So, And Ziggy, that- Ziggy was there at the time at the Galaxy, right? Zig, yeah, Ziggy was the coach. He's he's the one that that brought me down there, and uh, I had I had gone and trained just a couple weeks with them in the off season. One, uh, I think it was two thousand, the off season between two thousand two thousand one seasons, and um, and that's kind of how how I ended up there. Ziggy, you know, Sig Sig brought me down there, and it was it was great. It kind of started a ten year adventure, and boy, our adventures are endless aren't they yeah love that um Craig you spent in retirement a lot of time analyzing players you know breaking down player strengths weaknesses could you in your role break down yourself as a player how would you scout you how would you for those who didn't get the privilege to watch you play how would you describe yourself as a player give the scouting report on yourself well the the 10,000 foot scouting report that I have on myself is I was basically Darth Vader if I wasn't on your team, <laughs> I was the guy that I was the guy that probably knocked down or kicked your favorite player. If I wasn't on your team, um, no, I I played the game remarkably physically at that point, uh, especially for soccer. The way it was played in America at that point was always athletic. It was it was a uh, I would say quick, but I, I could read the game well. I think in my first couple of years, I learned what I was good at. You know, my my points of distribution between. 10 to 30 yards, I could connect most passes and stick to your strengths, you know, and, and I was a ball winner, um, strong in the air. Uh, but, but my biggest strength was positioning. You know, it was, it was when I played against guys that may be twice as fast as me. Um, perhaps there's at least one of you on this call. <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it was to play the passing angles and to sit in the passing lanes. And, and that was one thing that I, that I probably excelled at. And then, I think the other thing that that elongated my career was the fact that I understood what I was on the ball and what I wasn't. And it was, you know, I I, I kind of say this jokingly because it's not entirely accurate, but my job was to win the ball and give it to soccer players, you know, and, and, and I was one of those, but I wasn't the one that was going to create the game for our team. I was the one that was going to destroy. And, and that was my role and that was my job. And I loved it. I love hearing that. I was a positional soccer player. It's such a nice way of saying you're so slow that you 
bitch at all. I like, you know, it's 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 good when you know yourself. That's the thing. Yeah, you you know? have to know yourself. When you can self-evaluate and you can look in the mirror and go, you know, I don't, I don't think everyone's wrong. I'm not fast. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of evaluation, and Steve touched on it, but now your role with the Sounders specific to what that will kind of look like. like you have already had the connection with Garth in Salt Lake, right? So that is a connection that you're familiar with as well. So talk about that. And then what you envision your role that might be different from Hendo when he was here, right? And just the differences that you see in the way that you guys might scout a player um, in depth. Yeah. You know, you, you, there's, there, wow, there's so many angles to, to answer this from, you know, there's, there's the simple fact that Chris was just, so remarkably talented at finding the right fit for the club. And I think, you know, one thing that I've learned over time when I retired, I, I did, I went into college coaching. I was an assistant at, at Michigan and then came back to Washington and worked with, with Jamie and Jeff and, and Rich over there and learning how to evaluate at those younger levels and then taking it into the professional side as a coach, you know, first as an assistant coach and then in the, the front office, it, it, it takes a while to learn that you're not scouting for everyone. You're, you're scouting for your own team, your own system, and your exact fit. And, you know, I think too often scouting gets interpreted as this worldwide search for all of the best players, when in reality, that's not what's needed. And especially right now, I mean, the, the success over the last umpteen years for the Sounders, uh, I, I, I mean, I think you'd have to go back quite a while before you you talk about not being successful and uh, using these amazing descriptive words of stability and continuity and all of these things that define the center's organization you know to to fill this role is is exciting you know what what I what I was tasked with in my previous roles and in my previous position um, was a lot of youth development. Uh, there was a lot of budgetary, you know, reasons for that. But at the same time, it was something, it was our identity. It was something we loved and, and something we believed in. And, um, and then combining that with international signings is, is, uh, is a wonderful balance to, to pursue. But the, the exciting part of this is, is the challenge is to win. And it's to win big. And, and that, that's big clubs get to say that. And that's the most exciting part about this challenge. So, you know, when it gets into the identification phase of, of players, which Sean and Sean and I have already started sev several days into now, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really working with the staff and, and, and finding out what fits for them. Because again, the best player doesn't fit on every team. It, it's a, it's really this balance of identifying with the club, with the city, as well as being talented. And you guys have played long enough and you guys have enough experience in the game. You've seen ultra talented teammates not succeed for numerous reasons that have nothing to do with the little ball. And, and so that's really the, the focus um, for me is coming in and as quickly as possible, really learning the feel for what Brian is doing with his group how they're coaching their sessions, getting to know exactly what they're looking for in terms of character and identity and personality uh, and, and going from there. Uh, like I said, there's, 
there's thousands of great players, but they don't all fit. And that's kind of the balance that you only know once you have that intrinsic feel. Um, and that's, so the biggest challenge I think I, I face in the short term in the next couple of weeks is just talking to everyone I can, guys like you guys that can help me understand exactly what that difference is. That little like one, two, 5% difference of what it means to be in Seattle and what it means to be a sounder. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, I, I want to know because obviously you've come and we're just a couple of weeks away from the season. Um, one of the first things you would have done is just take a look at the lay of the land, the squad we have, where we're at, where we're strong, where we can improve, talking to the coaches. So just from what you've seen so far, because I've been out of the loop, Brad has as well for the most part, because we're not at the trainings or talking to the coaches every day. Um, the 2021 Sounders squad as is, what excites you about the squad? Um, what reasonably can this team hope to accomplish? I know we've never missed the playoffs before. Is, you, is it always MLS couple bust? I don't know. But what do you see for the 2021 <laughs> Sounders team? Well, I... I the good, the good news is I get to let Garth answer that big question. Uh, no, I, I really think that, that perennially there, you, you have to start with the playoffs being kind of a, a, a bar. I mean, that is, it's an expectation and it's a, a, a warranted expectation because of all these descriptive measures and words that we get to use to, to talk about the Sounders organization. And so that, that's kind of a, you know, a bar that I think everyone would agree is, is something that, that we need to accomplish. Uh, what excites me most about this group is the special players are truly unique and they're, they're truly difference makers. And, you know, they, this group is always one or two touches away from a goal. You know, the, there are those players that can just create out of nothing. And I think that's so unique. I, I am coming at a, at an interesting time I enter in because with Jordan's injury, it does shift a lot of, of, I think how Brian and the group are managing the, the team. And, um, and I also think that it's an, it's a really intriguing time in particular with this roster, not only to bring in some talent, some more talent add to it, but really to see where some of these young guys on the roster are going to be in three months, six months, nine months. I mean, there are, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, I've seen all of the young guys play, but I haven't seen them every day. I haven't seen them train. I don't know their habits. I don't know how they're interacting with the staff. Uh, but I will readily admit that I think it's very exciting, the group of young guys that are there, um, and, and to see if they can earn minutes and to see if they can grow as professionals and if they're ready to contribute to a club of this stature. You know, they might still be a year or two away, but I think there's a great balance right now on the roster of just super talented, really dedicated, really professional veterans. And there's a lot of talent that I think is, is ready to blossom. Uh, as we wrap this up, I know that we're going to talk to you more throughout the season, but I think the fans and, and also myself is from an outsider's perspective, you've played against the Sounders enough um, you know, you've coached, you've uh, been up in the stands for a number of games, but I think that we'd be interested to know what exactly the Sounders exude that makes them successful on the field. Is it like Steve said, is it just that air of confidence or is it the quality of players or is it just everything combined with this team that has made them so successful over the past couple of years? 
There's a lot to it. I think, I think there's one element um, that contributes so much to the Sounders and that's the support. It, the, the organization is so relevant, not only in Seattle, but in the league and in the conference and in everyone's mind mm-hmm. that it's a really difficult challenge to play against a team that walks on the field with a psychological edge over you. And I, I've always felt in sports that you're kind of hunting or you are being hunted and, and you are either training with that mentality. You're, you're, you're getting your team ready to go play the team that's better, or you are that team that's better and you're waiting for your opponent to come in. And, you know, I think what's made the Sounders so great over years and the consistency, you know, that mentality, there is an air about it. There's an air of when the body language of the Sounders, regardless of the game says we expect to win. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot, it sends a lot of different messages. I mean, at times when you're on an opponent's side, it's mildly annoying, (laughs) but, but it's there. And you can't take that away from someone. The only way you can take that away is, is to go out and actually not beat a team once, but you have to beat them several times in order to take that privilege away. So I think the Sounders have, have really over years earned that privilege. And I think that mentality is, is really ingrained from coaching staff down into the group of, you know, it's, it's not an expectation that's unrealistic. It's an air about it because it's a confidence that's been earned. And that's hard to play against. Yeah, I think I speak for all of us here and also the fans when this goes out that we're excited to have you here. I think it's going to be um, another exciting season for the Sounders. I'm sure we'll be seeing you and talking more to you, but um, thanks for taking the time and joining us, Craig. Welcome to Seattle and excited to see what you do here in Seattle. Thanks, guys. Thanks again to Craig Weibel for joining us there. We'll be hearing a lot more from him as the season goes on. We'll be seeing him, I'm sure. We'll get him on the broadcast at some point as well. Um, Exciting times. Exciting times. It's a change for the Sounders. He's someone who's played for the Sounders brand name before. So um, he knows what it takes to win an MLS and exciting to have him. All right. Fan questions. As always, one of the best parts about this sport is how it brings everyone together and interacting with fans. I think a lot of us have the same questions. So Brad and I will do our best to answer them. Um, Keely, what do you have for us? All right. My first question comes from Combat Wombat Esquire, and I might have picked it just so I could say his username. What's a name? Wow. I I had to pick your question. (laughs) And we also have to know where that came from. So tweet (laughs) us back. (laughs) Is there any merit to the rumor started by Garth, so not really a rumor, that we'll be playing a 3-5-2? What does that mean for a strike partnership? And do you think we have the wingbacks for it? What do you think, so, Brad? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier a little bit. And I think we're not able to go to training sessions, like we said before, right? So we are getting all of our information the same exact way you fans are getting your information. We watch the terrible videos on... <laughs> Twitter that Babcock is filming from ground level. We're trying to figure out a formation 
in a horizontal view from from street view basically google street maps so i i we have the capable players yes um what question mark for me three center backs who would the three center backs be on this roster i've heard rumors of a new who at center back i don't know how true that is and i don't know obviously physically capable yes um in a three back system Basically, you just have to have an anchor at center back that can be slow and win and cover every single ball. So you can pretty much plug and play who you want that's athletic into those other positions that has some idea on how to defend and positionally. That's a question for Nuhu. Can he positionally stay strong and can he play in that role and really keep his head and become and, and basically build a better soccer IQ? Yeah. Right. Like Craig said, not he wasn't the fastest, but his soccer IQ was really good. It's the opposite for Nuhu. He's really fast and physical, but his soccer IQ isn't where um, it can be. Um, I think up top, yes, I think two strikers can be effective uh, in Major League Soccer. I think the more you put defenses under pressure in this league, the more mistakes that are going to be made, um, especially if Raul's not back, right? And I think that Raul can operate with two. And I'll be interested to see that combo of three up top now, Raul, uh, Will, and Freddie with international breaks and Gold Cup and all that, you know, I think there's a real opportunity to see some um, some effort. And uh, I think looking at Freddie now starting, I think he's motivated, right? Which is all you can ask for with Freddie. If he's motivated, he's going to be really good, right? If he's happy and motivated. When things aren't going well, the team doesn't do well when things are going well and Freddie's doing well, the team kind of follows and he yeah. can change a game. So yeah. from that respect, I think, it, I think it's possible. I think the rumors are true. I don't think they're rumors. I think that this team is going to play in some sort of three, five, two, like they did almost against and a number of times going up on with a lead away from home last year or in the year before in 2019. Yeah. So I don't think it's something that's really that new. But if they come out and start that way, it's going to be it's going to be new, and I expect some hiccups and some roadblocks. But uh, I think they've got the technical prowess and, and the personnel. What do you think? I'll only add with Nuhu as a third center back. I, I wonder, though, as a coach, you want to put your players in the best position. Are we taking away too much of what he's good at? Because yep. he's more those more roading runs, running up and down the touchline. He has the engine to get up, get down to ask him to be positionally disciplined, even if he does that well, we're still sacrificing a lot of what makes him good, which he can get into the final third. He can um, double up in the attack. And of course, the final board has to improve. But I do wonder that. Again, I think football, I think sometimes too much is made of formations. I think, you know, mm. you, you, we all know how to play the game. It's you no know, 11 against 11. Here's where you need to be. This is your job. Win your 1v1 duels. It's football still, you still have to run. You still have to fight. You still have to defend. You've got to be disciplined. No matter the position, I don't think that matters too much, but yes, this team can play well. And I think any combination, Raul, Will, Freddie, there's goals in that. I mean, each one is a double-digit goal scorer in this league. Um, you're going to miss Jordan, but that three with Ladero behind them, wherever he ends up playing, um, I, I think you're good. I think you're so, good. So do you switch formations just because Jordan got hurt? I think so, because if Jordan's playing, you're not playing him as a wingback. You don't play, right. You can't this play is a wingback. to do with Jordan being injured than trying to find a space for freddie or will it's more to do with jordan being injured because isn't that crazy one player can change unique the outlook set. of your season and your club unique skill set yeah. fast so nothing you can do about that so right so Eagle, I think, what? oh sorry brad <laughs> oh it's okay i i just one more thing i think you know you have brad smith who's now back and he's 
in a preseason and healthy and ready to go. I think he's an impact player. So how do you get Brad Smith and Nuhu on the field at the same time with that physical speed? I think that's the only way. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. But I also think that Shane was phenomenal last year. Amazing, and amazing season. Yeah. If it's Yamar on center back, um, Ariaga on the right and Shane on the left, I think that that could be a yeah. really good three back system, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah, no, I was just going to segue into the speaking of how one player can really, you know, change the outlook of an entire field. Um, our next question is sort of similar to more, more of that um, formation talk. Twimberly 23 asks, how fun is Nuhu going to be at center back? It's going to be either very fun or really bad for our blood pressure. I'm not sure because it, it, it's, it can be either way. It can be the most magical, beautiful thing and the biggest disaster you've seen. And I say that affectionately because I know Nuhu and I like Nuhu, but he's Nuhu. It's what he does. There's going to be stepovers in the side, inside his own box. There's going to be overhead kicks trying to clear the ball. He's going to have some wild challenges here and there. He's going to have some fun moments, but he's an exciting player. And I would say he, I think, had a fantastic season last year. I think defensively, Apart from a couple of times when he's out of position, in terms of 1v1 lockdown, shutdown, knew he's going to do that job. I remember when I played, because I had three different people behind me usually. It was Leo Gonzalez or Tyson Wall or Zach Scott at times. And every time it was Zach Scott, I knew that he wasn't as good as Leo or Tyson on the ball. But Zach Scott would tell me before the game, I don't want to see you back here. I'm going to lock this down. You just attack. And he's a lockdown defender. Zach Scott, you know, you can ask Breck Shea. I mean, Zach Scott has given him nightmares over the years. I mean, I remember Zach Scott clattering into David Beckham. Like, he didn't care. So, <laughs> knew who's like that. He's locked down. You give him a task, you lock this guy down. He can do that. So, I think he'll be fine. I think he's continuously improving. It's going to take a lot of communication with the people next to him, um, the defenders next to him to stay positionally disciplined. But I think there'll be obviously some down moments, but I think it'll be fun. And I think we have a perfect guy on this podcast because Brad, you made that transition from a bit different from center midfield to center back. I don't know how easier or harder the game is from back there, but it's tough. I think it's a lot more thinking and communication. Exactly. And I think, <clears throat> I, I mean, Nuhu's proven me wrong for two years now. Right. And I think he's proven everyone wrong. You know, like I said last year, you know, Nashville wanted to get him last offseason. And I told him, I don't I don't think you should hedge your bets on him because mm -hmm. I don't think he's ready. And then he comes in last year and, you know, I thought he was lights out for the better part of it. Um, I still have my reservations at his soccer IQ. Yes. Physically, can he do it? But when it comes to, you know, three in the back, you have to be extremely organized because if you're two outside backs get caught up knew who's not going to have the cover anymore of a center back. If he gets pulled wide, a center back can't cover him now because then that only leaves one center back inside the box. Right. And that's too much work for Jao Paulo and Christian, right? You want those guys to be higher up the field for us to be effective. So there's going to be times where we're going to rip our hair out. Um, but you know, the confidence is with Jimmy and those guys to, get the message across to him and say, Hey, you're not going to be able to make these marauding runs anymore. And that's one of the things that made him effective was his runs forward. And it got the crowd into the game and the crowd was excited, right? It kind of pumped up your teammates too. When you, whenever you see a guy go on like a 70 yard run and yeah, you have to cover for him and he's tired, but there's someone out there that's putting in that effort to really get after it. Right. He's not gonna be able to do that anymore in three back. And is that going to like, is that going to play with his brain a little bit? 
mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is this isn't even what I want to do. He might not even want to play that position. Yeah. He might knowing knew who he's just going to throw his hands up right in training. If they play a three in the back uh, three back system. So we will see in the next couple of weeks, if that's really how they go. Yeah. I, I think what you said was good though, because I didn't think of the Brad Smith impact. Yes. What you lose from Nuhu offensively, arguably Brad Smith's better offensively. So you still have that. And then maybe Nuhu's the better defender. So you're getting the, your best players on the pitch anyway. So we shall see. We shall see. I have a question. Is it easier? Do you guys think it's easier to coach soccer IQ or the physical aspects of it just like philosophically I'm just kind of curious I, I, I think it's very difficult to coach soccer IQ it's very tough if because physical gifts no like no one nobody made Jordan Morris fast he's just fast you're happy to have him and you just find ways to to do that but some some players you watch that are just very very smart obviously at the highest level the Javis and Iniestas you can't coach that they just they have a feel for the game obviously Messi or Kevin De Bruyne whoever you can sort the best players in the world will have an incredible IQ where to be when to be there I think as a player gets older um, like I, there were some players I played with that were just amazing in training because they knew where to be, where to stand, how to conserve energy. When to, you start to learn that side of the game. But um, yeah, the physical traits, you have them or you don't. Um, the IQ, I think, comes over time and it depends on the play. I think it's very tough to coach that. All right. I have one more question from our uh, fearless fans. And uh, this is, th- indulge me for a second. Uh, this is from 206 Hometowners. And he is asking or more requesting some quarantine hair tips from you guys. I'm I'm the wrong person. What do you mean? Look at your hair. I know. Steve, are you kidding? Listen, listen, it's a nightmare because it takes me two or three hours to sit down, have to do this, and I get so bored. I don't don't like it, but then it looks good at the end. So it's... Trouble. So, <laughs> honestly, I don't know. It depends what his hair's like. I don't know. Quarantine, who knows? I don't know, man. Listen, I don't know. I, I, I'm not the guy for this. I don't know. I, I just think quarantine hair hair tips just grow it long, right? Like nobody nobody wanted to get a haircut. Nobody wanted to step into a salon. True. Well, some people did, but <laughs> I didn't want to step into a salon. So the last time I got a haircut was when two weeks before I was supposed to do a Fox game and they were like, how are you going to wear your hair? Because my hair was pretty long at the time. And I was like, I don't know. Stop asking me how I'm going to wear my hair. So I finally got fed up. The producer kept texting me, send me a picture, send me a picture. It's like, what are you talking about? So finally I just went and cut it all off. And then eight <laughs> days later, COVID hit and I never announced the game for Fox. <laughs> so it's been a year. And so I'm just going to keep growing. Now I'm on the lots of love or whichever hair donation uh, place is best. I'll figure it out at the time, but I got a ways to go. That's my quarantine hair tip. Actually, you no, know, my only tip is I don't use shampoo. Oh. I only use wow. conditioner. Okay. Straight really? Conditioner. I've heard the reverse that people only use shampoo and they don't use conditioner. Keely, are you looking at this right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> the, actually, a really good tip is to only wash your hair twice a week. That right. actually is a, that's a good hair tip. And I know no one asked me, but I'm going to give it anyways. My hair tip was dyeing it every month. And this is like the fourth color that I've done this year. Oh, just to say sane, <laughs> just like a little change up while you were locked up. I don't know. Maybe I have some personality disorder where I just need to switch <laughs> it up. Yeah. Little, I love it. It's possible. Dr. Jekyll, Miss Hyde thing. Undiagnosed, but we're, we're, we're getting through it. I love it. Awesome. Did we cover it? Did we answer the questions? 
Yes, those are all of our questions. And I think we actually have some time to do a little fun game of over under okay. uh, for the season. So our first one is uh, Freddie Montero goals this season and the number is five. So over under and he had five goals last year. Over, over. Yeah, I'll take the over. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about is with Raul possibly being gone for national team, he's going to get possibly like 15 games, right? And that's if everyone stays healthy. You figure he's going to score once every three games. Yeah, yeah. And he's on a better If, if he's motivated. Yeah, better team, better chances. And Freddie's yeah. streaky. Freddie, if he scores one, he's going to score for the next two weeks. Might not score for a few games. He'll score. He'll get his chances with Nico and those guys around him. The only thing that might bring him down is he won't be the number one for free kicks or penalties. And he gets a lot of his goals that way as well on set pieces. But five on this team, I have to think he's going to get more than five goals. Well, we know we have. it has to be in the regular season because we know he's not going to score in the play. <laughs> You're crazy. Uh-huh. Games until we see a shoe phone celebration, aka a Nico Ladero goal. Uh, last year, last year it took four games before he scored his first goal. So over under four games. It'll be less than four. Less than four. Nico, I think, is gonna because he, he he had a slow start last year because his off season was a bit punctured. He had a back injury. No one knew what was going on. There was the you know MLS's back. He wasn't quite himself. I think under because he'll probably get a penalty or free kick at that point, and he's really good at both. Um, but who, who's a better penalty taker, you or Nico? Oh, me. You're better than him? Yeah, I would say that. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but he's really good. He's really good. Um, um, yeah, under four. I'm going to take the over because with two strikers up top, I think he'll turn more provider than anything if that's the formation we play. Yeah. I think uh, he'll find himself in front of goal, but just not as often. And I think he'll have more options up top. And you might see even more service from him as he combines with our outside backs who will become uh, outside mids. All right, um, Stefan Fry, clean sheets. He had six last year, over under six clean sheets. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the over for Steph. Yeah, I think he's getting better with age and he's become more confident. If you have five in the back, I think you might even see less chances uh, on goal too. Yeah. Um, Steph, yeah, he'll get about eight or nine. I think I think we'll be good defensively this year. I think the team's gonna be have to be good defensively because last year you could rely we're gonna score three or four goals just because Jordan, Raul, Nico, they were on fire at times. You might not have that offensive outburst as much. You have to be very good defensively. Um he'll get about eight or nine conditions. Sweet. All right. Um this one is also on the fry train and I did not come up with this. I am not this mean, but it's fine. Uh what month do you guys think that our goalkeeper will be officially bald? <laughs> Oh, um, for me, I'm gonna say it will all depend on how the season goes, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a trend with our goalkeepers, they usually don't have hair as they get older, right? Casey Marcus, Marcus was hanging on forever, <laughs> so I'm gonna say, um, August. With that, you know, those summer months are so tough. I'm going to say August. This guy's yeah. just going to say, you know what? It's got to come off. I didn't even think of this yet. I mean, Steph's his hair is holding on for dear life, isn't it? Um, I think, yeah, I think Steph, you got to let it go, man. Steph would look good bold too. That's the problem. So I don't know. I think, yeah, I think um, late summer, 
early fall, um, Steph's going to bite the bullet. And I wonder if Brad Smith will give him that uh, push <laughs> to get there, right? Because Brad was living on a cul-de-sac for quite a while there. <laughs> Third house from the left. I just want to like take my picture out of this whole <laughs> answer. You You're guys the one who are thought all... of the questions. I did not come up with this one. I think this That's came what from you our... get for being on the show. This came from our digital team. <laughs> I am throwing them under the bus on that one. Uh, all right, last one, and this is a more serious one. Where are the Sounders going to end up in the Western Conference table? Mm. I have over under second because that is where we finished last year. So over under. I think under. Yeah, I was going to say under as well. Yeah, I don't think, I think we'll be, we'll be in the playoffs. I don't know. I think the league's very good. The West is tough. Um, I think under. I think, you know, I think we've always sort of finished in that second space with Brian Schmetzer. Um, and it's not a crime to finish third or fourth. I think we'll be under no. second, play, right? So be in the playoffs and have a good run and have a good season. But I think under. Uh, can I piggyback on that? Just how you think Austin will be joining the West? tough to say because it's like yeah it's tough to say because expansion i just don't know anymore you get some teams like atlanta and lfc that come in initially and are lights out um nashville in their own way were good but that was more just so good defensively miami who knows what's happening there austin i don't know which path austin's mm -hmm. gonna take. seems like they've made good decisions it seems like they're being sensible don't know how good their squad will be um i think they'll struggle in the west just because it's very good you have so many strong teams in the west i expect lafc them, I just think that team with Carlos Vela, they're due um, to really just kill a few teams and win it because they should have won it a couple of years ago, probably. Um, last year, they, they kept missing players. I think if they get the squad they want, they're going to be very good. Sounders will be there or thereabouts. Portland will be there or thereabouts. Um, Kansas, Kansas still in the... Did they move anyone? It's just Austin FC joining. Uh, just Austin joining the West. Yeah, so Kansas always going to yeah. be... Solid Peter Vermees and those yep. boys down there. So they're going to struggle, not because anything they need to do or not going to do. It's just a very tough conference. Yep. So, yeah, I think they'll struggle. All right, that's all I got for over under, guys. That's it. And we'll, we'll see. Just, just so the people know, this is going to be every Thursday, right? Every Thursday. So, guys, yes, listeners, fans, really appreciate you guys. Subscribe like comment do all of that stuff engage with us on social media um and yeah every thursday will be on here probably not as long as this one this is the first one so we really just want to hit the ground running but um love it it's new seasons on the horizon it's weird doing it at this time of the year we'll probably be six or seven games in usually at this point but it is what it is and we're excited and i'm, I'm hearing there'll be some sort of fans at the game maybe not the full capacity but a few thousand which will be amazing we miss you of course um, stay engaged side by side every Thursday. Um, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts um, with myself, Steve Zakwadi, and Brad Evans, and also with Keely. Let's not forget. So it's side by side by side. I'm really telling the truth. Um, it's exciting. So next Thursday, we'll be back here. I don't think we're sponsored yet. Listen, sponsor us. Um, any airlines listening, sponsor us. I need some miles. Um, but we love it. Side by side. We're back official sounders podcast and we will see you guys next thursday as we count down the 2021 sounders fc season as always it's been a pleasure talking soccer with you guys and any good comments tweet myself or brad any bad comments direct them to the official sounders Twitter account and we'll see you guys next week